Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. By the time you're listening to this on Thursday, where will we be, Cass? I'm going to be down in Dingle. And me and Sophie will be following suit mm-hmm. for other voices. Having the time of my life. If you're a creep heading to other voices Seek this weekend, we're all going to be down there. And we love nothing more than when people come up to us in front of our other friends and say, <laughs> are you the creep type? Oh my God, yeah, please. Because it's such it's a massive flex. Nothing <laughs> everyone in our life giddy. just thinks that we're messers. They don't listen. They don't know. They're like, how do you guys have money? What do you what do? What do you fucking do, what you chancers? Do you know what happened to me actually this week? An amazing creep. April. Hiya. Oh God, I hope, I hope that's the right name. I remember being like, cool name. So I think it is April. We did a selfie over at the Santa Experience in Palmerstown House. Oh, fucking fantastic. Okay. So, Jen, take us to the polar bears. Oh, of course. This is very interesting. And did you ever hear of Jamie Oliver's best mate called Jimmy Doherty? Would you believe I did? Yeah, yeah. How do you know? Just through Jamie Oliver. (laughs) Don't they? Didn't they have a show together? Probably. In fact, definitely. Uh, Jamie Doherty, mad for the animals and has his own wildlife park. Okay. But not only that. But wait, there's more. He's also got a fucking polar bear. Wow. I thought you were going to say STI. I don't know why. (laughs) We don't know about that. But he might. so. So he has an incredibly weird event in that he just decided he would take on board this polar bear. 
he this was never part of his plan for his wildlife sanctuary but it was a rescue mission so good he simply could not turn it down so about a year and a half ago jimmy 48 got a call to say a wildlife park orza in central sweden was shutting its doors it had had enough oh, no. and it was sold to developers and the animals needed rehoming oh buy it certain date or else they're all brown bread oh no Gosh. jimmy was like i am your man he said amongst those animals was a group of polar bears and among them iwa a female 18 years old jimmy was like this bear has nowhere to go I never wanted those conventional an- conventional animals you see in zoos, he said, like tigers or lions, but here I am. So he had this wildlife park already home to sheep, cows, goats, capybaras. What's that? Oh, love Capybaras them. are, would you believe, rodents, but they're oh. amazingly large. Uh, you'll see them in South America. They have a huge big snout. And they're enormous, enormous rats. He's got tapirs, camels, and more than 90 other species. And he has a big high fence. Wow, 90 species? Of animals, yeah. Jesus. Jimmy's a man on a mission. Does he have some employees helping him out? He he wouldn't be short of a few bob. Right. Jimmy. So he had this newly built 16-acre enclosure with this deep spring and some woodland. And... Confirmed by the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria, it was Europe's largest enclosure for wildlife that Jimmy's built. So it's like so, a zoo, but not a zoo. Exactly. He, he's got all of the trappings of a zoo, but he's claiming it's just his personal petting farm. It's a of. sanctuary. A yeah. sanctuary. Okay, it is a yeah, sanctuary yeah. for animals with I nowhere else to go. A zoo is a commercial enterprise and he's not he's not coining it off the animals. Not that I know of, but you know yourself. He's probably doing calendars with them and stuff. Oh my God. You remember, do you remember the poor wallaby in the nightclub? Oh, fucking hell. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drada, was it? No, it was in Dublin. Was Dublin, was in I'm Dublin. pretty sure. Near, near. Was it City West? No, it was near Liffey Valley, was it not? So Iwa has arrived and is very happy. Her favorite food is honey. She loves rolling around and bark chippings. But he's not trying to pretend she's some kind of cuddly animal. He says she does like a bit of love. But you could never forget that this is a wild animal and the planet's largest land predator. So he's got this big and great reputation for exotic species rescuing them. And he's a few raccoons. He's got macaques. And this was Iwa's last chance. So initially he was fairly worried about rehoming her um, because she's so large and powerful and his wife Michaela had to be talked into it but he couldn't bear the thought of Iwa dying and that was the main thing that he wanted to help her and help her out to live a long and happy life. The sad thing was Iwa had a cub so she had a two-year-old cub Mika with her um, but of course the bloody thing died on the way. Oh, no. And that fueled a small group of local naysayers who have argued that rehoming bears in Suffolk is unwise. Like, it must be a bit weird for Iwa. Like, I'm sorry, Mm. I'm looking at some polar bears just to situate me in the story. Yeah. And they're all being photographed against snowy backdrops. Well, interesting you say that. Because would you believe 
they don't really mind really? the hotter weather. So Even Suffolk, though their diet is seals and Arctic fox. It's true. It's true. But they have existed in various kind of zoos, etc. all over the world. Of course. What am I talking about? The I, most depressing enclosure at Dublin Zoo is that own. bloody fake. It's like cement it's, it's sprayed gone. white. Is it gone? It's gone. The fake Thank ice God. cave that they used to keep. That oh. That's right. We must do a creep dive on that polar bear. Do you remember he or she used to just pace back and forth and back and oh forth. I remember God. it. I remember my, my kids doing that during pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not she, a good sign. So Iwa, it seems to be happy enough. Suffolk's average temperature is 20 to 23 degrees. It's a salubrious uh, area in England, isn't it? And Jimmy was like, I'm going to need to talk to a few experts. And he consulted them on the viability of keeping this polar bear in Suffolk. And he says in 2018 in Churchill, Manitoba, the polar bear capital of the world, it was 31 degrees. So polar bears aren't always on the ice. He says he's worked with polar bears and zoos all over the world. He's seen them out in hot days. And this idea that they can't cope with the warmer climate is incorrect. They seem to cope very well. So, I mean, he's there. And he's living. And Jimmy's happy. Here's a picture of him with Ewa the polar bear. Jimmy here is leaning on a fence that is about three and a half feet tall. Yeah. And it's a worryingly low It's quite a low fence. fence. Also, Jimmy's opted for double denim. He's never not in double denim. Ah. Right. I yeah. like when somebody picks a uniform and then leans yeah. into it. It's um, a That is a very small fence. And it's also, I mean, it looks like something I could have built myself. It's not <laughs> keeping anything in. Jimmy is really interested in the tundra and animals of the tundra. So he also has a pack of 13 Arctic wolves. Oh, you see, that's now... That Iwa would find them very tasty. Absolutely. But here he is standing in the field just with them. Yeah. No offense for thumbs Jimmy. Up? He, it's hard to know what's at the root of this, but I think he's doing good. He has put about a million pounds into the reserve thus far. That sounds cheap. I agree. Like and he's got a whole, he's rehomed more than 90 animals and... In an entire sanctuary for the price of like a three bed an in South County Dublin shoebox in Dublin. Yeah, it's true. So that's him. But it also got me thinking about just generally other animals. And that's great. Did you that's know? great value for money. I have a load of did you knows. Oh yeah, give okay. us. Would you like to know that sp- orangutans spearfish, like they spear fish with sticks? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that amazing? No more further information. How about (laughs) woodpeckers? Did you know they have freakishly long tongues that can wrap around the back of their own heads? I have a woodpecker joke. Go ahead. What do you call a woodpecker with no beak? A headbanger. Yeah. Did you hear it on the radio this morning? (laughs) No, I'm just really good at shit jokes. I heard it on the radio. On the wireless this very morning they were talking about it. Now we all know that humans can survive only about three to five days without water. That's true. And a camel can last about 15. Pretty good. Good Good on them. Wait for this. Due to its highly specialized kidney and ability to produce metabolic water, the kangaroo rat can live its entire life up to five years without drinking a single drop of water oh my god they're just on the diet cokes as well isn't that fucking amazing amazing here's bizarre. another one. the first venomous do they have crust- to have a big long drink at the beginning of their life and then 
Maybe so. And they just go. Maybe. Well, they're mammals, so I'm sure they their mothers produce milk and then that's possibly in their own metabolism. Ma- what is it? Their metabolism can produce its own metabolic mm. water. Mm. Very interesting. Or the first venomous crustacean ever discovered found in some penins- peninsula in the Caribbean Sea. It's blind. It's a remipede. It liquefies the body contents of other crustaceans with a venom containing digestive enzymes and a paralyzing toxin. Fucking amazing. And it's just sitting around like it doesn't go anywhere. It just, it just sits does around. It to things around it. Well, to eat. It's, it sucks out the goo then that it liquidizes from the inside of its prey and it carries on eating. But wait for this. There's a bit I knew about koalas, like chlamydia mostly. Yeah. Okay. And, and the claws. The cl- Well, interesting you say claws, because did you know that koala fingerprints are almost indistinguishable from humans? Oh my God, no. no. That would be like if a koala wanted to commit murder, it could frame us really easily. Isn't that fucking fascinating? That's amazing. Okay. Th- that like the story. koala could be at the crime scene holding a knife. Yeah. And you'd still never think. You'd never. You'd be like, no, these are... These fingerprints look like humans. Absolutely. Who are we looking for here? Yeah. So in 1975, the British police conducted a very unusual raid on the ape house in London Zoo. And their target? Half a dozen chimpanzees and a pair of orangutans. So the operation took place at a time when unsolved crime was becoming bigger, a bigger issue. Mm. And they somehow resulted in fingerprints of these creatures being taken for analysis they weren't found to be guilty of any particular <laughs> crime did, did the police just want to be seen to be doing stuff there was the beginning of the of the research into fingertips uh, mm. fingerprints mm. and whether fingertips you know whether each individual human could in fact have really a unique genuinely have a unique one fingerprint and so they took a lot of primates fingerprints to kind of compare and contrast yeah and it then within that report, this guy, Steve Haycock, City of London Police Fingerprint Bureau, explained the thought process. So according to him, the operation took place partly because the police tend to refer to smudged or unclear fingerprints as monkey prints. So he says, if you passed a chimpanzee print to a fingerprint officer and said it came from the scene of a crime, they would not know it was not human. Ooh. And in the event, in the in this event, the chimpanzees sat happily enough to have their fingers prints taken and thankfully we're not found to have been guilty of any crimes (laughs) but koala prints the koala conspiracy so even more like our own than the primates mad isn't that mad totally mad for no particular reason they just developed that way that's just how so there you go a couple of interesting factoids i loved it here's a weird one about the african spiny mouse so it's the only known mammal that can lose up to 60% of its skin and then just grow it all back. But are we not doing that all the time? Yeah. Well, shedding, only, shedding. Only at the top of our dermis. They're like oh. getting skinned. Ooh. Peeled away. So their skins is so brittle it can just tear to help when they get caught by something. They Ooh. just release the jacket <laughs> and kind of scurry away, pantless. Oh, I love it. Do you remember that wriggle out of the jacket in primary school? <laughs> Uh, gone two gone. arms it's just this endless entertainment as we know nothing ever is interesting to me 
as sharks consistently losing teeth and just growing them back. Oh, infinitely. Fascinating. I love that. And did you know that spiders, many of them do this thing called ballooning. You might have seen this happen where they shoot like a balloon out of their arse, out of their spinnerets made of silk and they'll let the wind catch it. And that's how they travel long distances. What? Yeah. But what wind? Is it not under the sea? Well, no, no, spiders. I thought you said sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing the sharks angling their arses up out of the water and and you kite surfing along with their ass balloon. <laughs> okay, spiders. Oh, yeah. That Amazing. all makes way more sense because you were like silken balloon. And I was like, <laughs> what is she talking about? Amazing factoids there. So it's just endless. There's endless entertainment there in the animal fact world. I love it. That's all Thank I have you. to say. Absolutely Thank you, love it. Well, Cass, take us away. Sorry, I take was us just... to Harvard. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I have two. Okay. Do you want to do Harvard? And I'll do a little. Um, I have a little. I don't think we've ever done this. The couple who survived the Columbine massacre but were later murdered. Did you know about mm-hmm. this? Have you never heard of this? Well, if Sophie hasn't heard of it, we have not. We done haven't it. done it. So let me give you this quickly. Hey, the internet. Okay, come with me. This is really interesting. As a teen couple who survived the Columbine massacre and were later murdered. So we know you've covered Columbine significantly yeah. in the past. Very. Very much so. I can't believe, in fact, that there's something now at this point. I know. I'm you so, know, I mean, excited is the wrong word, but enthralled in, yeah. in, intrigued mm. intrigued so Held. obviously we know about Columbine the shootings that took place um, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold a massacre that took the lives of 12 their classmates and one teacher in a brutal shooting on the 20th of April 1999 so just 10 months after the attacks in February 2000 there were two survivors 15 year old Nick Cunnelsman and his girlfriend 16 year old Stephanie Hart were trying to get on with their lives and put the tragedy behind them. Clearly. They had been friends and quickly became high school sweethearts to just try to, you know, move on with life and getting through the aftermath of the tragedy together in a town that was so distraught after this of had course. happened. So friends and family described them as a happy young couple and after all the trauma they had endured, it had brought them even closer together. Nick started working at um, at a subway on Coal Mine Avenue in Littleton, Colorado. So just your typical sandwich shop working there. Nothing to see job. here. He'd been working there for a while and he often took the late shift, meaning he didn't finish until late in the evening. But I mean, it's a subway. So like, how late? Stephanie would often sneak out of her house just before Nick's shift ended and meet him at the restaurant. Then he'd lock up the shop and they'd leave together. But there was one night on the 13th of February 2000 when Nick was working his late shift just like any other day. Stephanie once again snuck out of her house without her parents knowing and drove down to the subway to meet Nick. This night, however, take a very tragic turn. So a little after midnight, another employee of Subway happened to be passing by and noticed that the lights were still on and it would have been way past Nick's closing time and should have been Locked up and everything turned off. So he said the shift had finished hours earlier. There should be nobody inside. 
So the employee was concerned, went to the door, it opened, Uh-oh. and in there behind the counter was two blood-soaked bodies of Nick and Stephanie. They had been shot. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Yeah. So police were called to the scene. God, they're poor families. I know because the mother, Stephanie's hell. mother Kelly, was w- woke up the next morning and turned on the TV and saw the news that two people had been killed at the subway camera panned around the parking lot and it was then that Kelly <gasps> saw the car her daughter's car so the news report continued to play on the TV and then Kelly got a knock on the door from two police officers to say oh. that it was her daughter Stephanie who had been shot and killed oh dear um so yeah her mother had believed that she was upstairs in her bed so the town obviously was still absolutely like reeling and traumatized by the massacre and the news of these two teens death just put everybody back in shock huge trauma again the teens families held a joint funeral for them and were buried in a very beautiful place up in the foothills the residents of the town could not comprehend how these two survivors who less than a year earlier had escaped from the worst high school shootings in american history had now been senselessly murdered so everyone assumed that the murder would be solved within days but little did they know the investigation would drag on, go nowhere for weeks, then months, then years. How? Well, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have CCTV. So it was determined that the robbery robbery wasn't the motive because no cash or supplies had been taken from the store. So it left the question, who would want to murder these two um, students? Steve Davis, who was a spokesperson for the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, said that a young white male was seen in the area at the time of the shooting. He was said to have been in his late teens, early 20s, wearing a red sweatshirt and flared pants. But the surveillance was turned off at the time of the murders. The reason it was that it was suspected that a drug ring was operating from within the restaurant. Nick himself was not involved, but it was a well-known rumor that people were dealing drugs from the subway. So Stephanie's mom said in 2001 that the subway was a haven for drug sales, mainly cocaine and marijuana. And also that Nick should have never been allowed to be closing the shop on his own because he was only 15. Mm. Um, And for all of them, for him to be working late at night, you know, even if it was eight, nine o'clock when it was dark was still particularly unsafe. So the murder has gone unsolved all this time. And on the 20th anniversary of their deaths in February 2020, um, the mother's. Teresa Cunnelsman and Kelly spoke to CBS Colorado and expressed that they were still waiting for justice 20 years after the teenagers had been murdered. There's an award, a reward up for information of $12,000. But still to this day, they don't no. know. They don't know what happened. No, nothing. Nothing. Thought you were bringing us to like no, a, no, no a, suspects, a closure No class. suspects, oh no arrests. Very sad. Nothing. The Columbine tragedy rattles on. It's so weird, isn't it? So Final Destination to be survivors shooting and a year later be murdered and not to be for like for there to be nothing taken. Even if there was a, even if it was something to do with the drug ring, you assume that they would empty the till. Yeah, or you know, just while you're there and you've already committed a crime, it's like very strange and very sad. Yeah. Very, very sad. Oh, God almighty. Jesus. Well, so there you have you. it. Now take us, you. take us to take Harvard. Us to Another right. senseless murder I see I is a foot. So, um, I'm going to tell you a bit about Gina Grant, who, uh, back in 1990, 
was 14 years old. And it, this story is taking place in South Carolina in a small town of Lexington. It's the kind of small town where a promising young girl like Gina did she lie to would be room? kind of, yeah, known. Oh. She was said to be very popular, accomplished, very pretty, blonde haired, honor student, always. Um, she's going down. She's always helping friends with their homework, helping people to study, bit of a matchmaker oh, among her friends. I mean, everyone, like, will you be with my mate is probably the extent of matchmaking in your teens when you're 14. But still, she was promoting romance among her peers. And she'd also just finished eighth grade. So second year of school, mm. pretty much secondary school. Um, as the very, she's a trailblazer, first female student body president. Okay. Yeah. That's president of the student body. Now, are nope, you. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> are you going to tell you something is, is terrible? Is this going to happen to her? Well, we'll get to it. Oh, we'll no, get to I don't it. want to get too attached. So um, she was very ambitious. Okay. She had two kind of dreams for when she grew up. She either wanted to be a Supreme Court justice or a doctor. And um, so that is lofty. It's lofty. So cut to September 13, 1990. Jean had an older sister called Dana. She's 23 and she was a nurse at the nearby Lexington Medical Center. And she got an emergency call. Sorry, she made an emergency call from a payphone at a garage near her home. So she called 911 and she said she just arrived home from work, but had found both the back and the side door of the house locked when her mother and her younger sister, Gina, should have been home. And when she yelled for someone to open the door, nobody replied. And then she had tried to open the front door with her key, but she couldn't get it open. And it seemed like it had been pushed shut again from the inside. So she panicked, ran to the garage to make this call, thinking that something somebody was in the house um, and that her mother and her sister were maybe in danger. And um, so the Lexic- Lexington County Sheriff's deputy um responded to the call picked her up from the garage where she was okay and drove her home to where the house was it was like real like classic american style house kind of um colonial style you know those home alone yeah one of those i think yeah and it was like set on its own grounds off a highway and when they arrived gina our friend, student body president, 14 years old, was standing outside, um, clearly very agitated. And she told her sister that she'd gotten into a fight with Mama and that Mama was hurt and might be dead. Oof. Oh, and God, so, I thought we were looking at Gina doing the dying. I know. I okay. Know. So, um. The sheriff went into the house and he saw what appeared to be thick smears of blood all over the floor of the entrance hall. In the dining room, he found the body of um, 
Dana and Gina's mother um, multiple lacerations around the head and a kitchen knife stuck in her throat. Oh, you're fucking kidding. Yeah. And um, so a lot of the detectives later said it was one of the most violent and vicious homicides I've ever seen. Recalled one detective. There was blood everywhere, splattered all over the walls in the kitchen. It was pretty obvious that the murder had taken place in the kitchen and that then the body had been dragged into the dining room for whatever what? reason. Yeah. And so... What like, age was this girl at this point? 14. So the detective went back outside and started talking to the girls. Okay. And he said that... Dana, the older one who'd made the 911 call, was clearly in shock. And that Gina, the 14-year-old, was like weirdly, he described as excited. Weirdly kind of excited, like her adrenaline was buzzing. And so they both, both girls were brought to the police department, the sheriff's department. And by now it was like 2 a.m. And so... They were like, what's happened here? And uh, Gina said that their mum, Dorothy, um, was drunk and had started screaming at her while Gina was on the phone to her boyfriend. And so Gina's mum seemingly did not like Gina's boyfriend. Okay. Jack is his name. And... um. Gina said that after she hung up the call, Dorothy, the mother, said, we need to have this out now. And basically um, said that she was going to, quote, beat her butt and show her who was in charge. And that she was basically threatening to, like, fight her daughter, according to Gina. Mm. And Gina said that Dorothy, like, unbuttoned her blouse because she didn't want to mess up her $300 suit. Hang on a second. And that she talked, took off her rings and watch. I mean, some kind of strange preparation for a fight. This feels, now I know we don't have any background on what <laughs> is happening, like what kind of a woman the mother is. But in my mind, the mm. way Jean is describing it in a kind of an MMA style smackdown. Smackdown. She was yeah. removing her rings and rolling mm. up her sleeves as if. Do we have any background on the mom? Is there so, a history of violence? There was some evidence that Dorothy was an alcoholic. Okay. And Gina said that their mother was physically abusive. Okay. And what about Dana? Dana did say there was truth to this. Okay. Um, I mean, it was. Maybe so then. So it was kind of like Gina was going straight down the self-defense road. She said that she had been coming down from her bedroom when her mother grabbed her near the top of the stairs, that there was a struggle and that they fell and hit, uh, that the mother hit her head. And um, Gina said, I was trying to get away from her and she kept grabbing my arms and doing this number and trying to hit me. And, and she hit me in the back and she hit me in the shoulder and she slapped me a couple of times and then somehow, I don't know exactly how, I never really saw it, but she had a knife and she pulled it up. I was terrified at that point um, because this is all in Gina's words. I just knew she was going to kill me. I grabbed her arm and we bumped around and I said, no, mama, and stuff like that. I jerked free of her and was backing up 
and she just looked at me and said, one of us has to go. Again, this is all Gina's claims. Um, one of us has to go. And then Gina says, die. Yeah. And then Gina says that Dorothy, the mother, stabbed herself in the neck. right in, in her own neck, right in front of Gina's eyes. And that then Gina said she was on the floor and then I just stared at her for a couple of seconds and I looked at my hands and they were covered in blood. Mm. So So. she didn't, the mother also have some wounds around the head and face. Lacerations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if we're to believe Gina, then the the mother stabbed herself and then Gina just went to town around her head and face. Mm. I mean, is that likely? I think mm-hmm. not. Is that likely? Kind of reminds me a bit of the David Bain story in terms of like, you know, if the father had gone, um, you know, to all this trouble to not take his son's life, why did he then, uh, just before dying, do everything in his power to frame his son? You know, that kind of way. It's yes. just got that kind of vibes to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you're dead right. And Gina sort of immediately said to Dana, we had a row. Not yeah. my mum stabbed herself, which no. is probably what you would say. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, but again, remember, this kid is 14 years old. It is like wildly wild. mad. So the detectives were just like, no, babes. Yeah. Nobody stabs themselves in the neck. So he said. A good like, defense, but seems unlikely. Yeah. He said that um, he as Jen pointed out there was loads of head injuries sustained by the dead woman and he just did not think those head wounds could have been sustained by falling down a carpeted stairs I see and he also and the dragging this is really disturbing he said from a cursory glance so nothing like an autopsy had been conducted yet this was still in the early hours straight after the event and he, but he said that there was like no blood around the neck wound, which suggests that the knife had been stuck after into her death. throat after she died. Ooh. Jen could be a detective on this case. After You're amazing. D- so again, I mean, it's looking very likely. Mm. So then they were like, "Okay, Gina, you did come this. on," and then she, but she really stuck to her story. There was the boyfriend wasn't there in the gaff at the no, time. No, no. And who is the boyfriend? So the anyway? boyfriend is this guy called Jack Hook that, again, the mother just seemed to not like. And um, oh, I guess Gina was 14. Yeah, yeah. So when they went and put it to Gina, like, did this is this really how it went down? Gina told the same story again, but then she kind of said that the struggle might. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Been a bit more violent than she originally suggested. And she also said that her mother made threats against the boyfriend, saying, I'm going to kill that little son of a bitch. Mm. Um, so then, meanwhile, police are in the house. And they're like finding stuff like so stuff that I know Gina's only 14, but come on. Do you the logic of stuffing a load of bloody towels into a plastic bag and popping them in your wardrobe is not hiding, hiding evidence uh in any way that's going to work. Did, so basically, so, but Gina also didn't call the police. Dana did. Exactly. So, yeah. How long so maybe Gina thought she was going to have more time to sort exactly. this out. Mm. Yeah. But so the t- this plastic bag was stuffed with towels that had apparently been used to mop up the blood. And then there was also the mum's jacket also soaked in blood. And then this is where it gets very Cluedo. A crystal candlestick encrusted with blood and was most certainly the weapon. I see. That had been used to murder the mum so she went at the mum with the candlestick yeah and then stabbed her in the neck to make sure she was dead mm. i guess yeah that or like do you know that phrase overkill yeah like yeah. it's got big overkill vibes in terms of like that thing of like getting into a violent frenzy and acting out potentially years of pent-up aggression or something like that that you then because it Seems like she must have been pretty visibly dead by the time then she thought to grab a knife. Oh, I mean, it's grisly. It's totally grisly. So then the police went back to Gina and they were like, Gina, we found found the the bag. Do you want to say anything about the bag of shit that was in your wardrobe? And um, so then she amended her original story said to include the candlestick now so she said she picked up the candlestick during the struggle and said that it might have bumped the mother on the head Hmm. and that she had quote withheld this from you sorry the only thing I withheld from you was that because I thought that you would think I killed her and I didn't everything else is true I swear I tried to get some of the blood up from everywhere I did it because I didn't want to go to jail because I didn't kill her. And so the detectives reported that Gina seemed very calm and collected while she was making the statements. They said she was polite, dry-eyed, and that she'd kind of calmly amended the story to include the new information about the candlestick. And the guy, Detective Phillips, who had said that this was one of the most um, disturbing crime scenes he'd ever been at, in 20 years in the forest he said if he hadn't seen the crime scene he actually would have thought this poor little girl is a victim as well very 
believable. Um, but he had seen the crime scene and he just was very unnerved. They really all were very unnerved by like this person they had sitting in front of him who was like just by all intents and purposes, just like this model high school student. And um, then he said um, she made this joke, which I feel oh, it's relatable. I think any one of us might have made this joke. She asked to go to the loo and she was told that she would have to be co- accompanied by a woman deputy and she she quipped, don't worry, I don't have any body parts in my pocket. Oh, Gina. Mm. Uh, I know. Like, but some... Gina isn't some, isn't the stereotype. First of all, she's not a m- male. She's popular. Mm. She's active in her community. P- she's well-liked. Like totally. she's a sociopath. She's like, and not just like smart. She's an honor student. No hint of anything untoward. Now, granted, she might have suffered gravely, greatly at the hands of her mother. Yeah, like it seems like it's not up for dispute that the mother seems to have had a substance abuse issue. Um, and there is some research into the matricide by teenage girls um that they they can also they they do these things too they do do these things too and there's been other um kind of instances of um uh you know high achieving teenagers kind of turning to stuff like this so Mm. remember the story of jennifer pan Mm. Like she was, I remember Remind quite me high about achieving. Her again? Do you remember she she pretended she went to college? Yeah. Or yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Very recently, the woman who is that her who pretended she went to college and then the college rang the telephone and then she that's battered a, her mother. No, that's a totally that's new person. Another woman. It's another person. Yeah. And um, so it is but rare Gina's for a, a teenager child. to kill a parent, and yes, it is re- even rarer for a teenage girl to do it. But like when it happens, it does seem to be quite like out of the blue, according to one article I read that like they can seem like they're just model teenagers. So there was like a case of these two, two twins, twins um, who in 2010 beat their mother to death. They were 16 and they had been like active in the Girl Scouts and um, had been honor students. Now there was other issues in the family and stuff like that it was dysfunctional so so, to get back to Gina she was quipping about body parts and she only cried when she was told she wouldn't be going that home that night Mm. and that she was going to be charged with murder so and could they charge a person that young well it's they can, but it's like, what do they charge her with? And also what is going to be the kind of actual ramifications of those charges mm. that all are kind of up for debate, I suppose, when you have a minor. Yeah. I mean, they're always all up for debate because I it's guess going it to be going to trial. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so basically the days following the killings, the community were reeling. Obviously. And so there, her father um, had died three years earlier. And... Um, that after that Dorothy the mother's drinking had like really escalated and she was said to have been like basically uh, drunk almost every night at home 
And when she um, was found dead, her blood alcohol level was 30. And a reading of, say, 37 can be fatal. Wow. Like, so 30, she was only seven blips lower than, like, potential death by alcohol poisoning. So it does kind of, um, you know, Informs track the story. that yeah. Gina was defending herself against a kind of a drunken rage. Um, they, yeah, there was a lot of, like, um, kind of love for Gina in the aftermath um, a lot of family and friends you know just coming in and around out in support of her Her Dorothy the mother's parents so Gina's grandparents were sympathetic and her grandmother said you know Gina's my precious baby I would give anything in the world to help her um, at the funeral Gina's grandfather so the dead woman's father um, you know kind of comforted Gina she was at the funeral and um, there was a lot of people who just couldn't accept that Gina um, was capable of something like this and um, they felt that she had suffered abuse and finally snapped maybe and, and maybe all the actions as a result of shock mm. the weirdy behavior in the interview and directly after at the arrest or mm. after the, the body was found the thing was that apart from the fact that Dorothy seemed to undoubtedly be an alcoholic there seemed to be not much um other evidence of abuse okay so like gina had apparently not mentioned anything about problems at home until a few days before the killing so they started to wonder if gina had actually done a bit of premeditation here and that she was kind of maybe with an eye to setting up a defense okay now she's 14 well, so she, like i already there, got God. her mother that drunk though no, but equally she could have been like, I'm I'm actually sick of this life. Goating this woman her. is psychologically mm. abusing me. I don't know, you know. So like everyone was just like, I mean, just up until kind of a couple of weekends before she was out water skiing with her friend, um, Christy, Christy and she had said to the friend, I said she was afraid her mother was going to kill her. And um, that that Dorothy was becoming increasingly violent and that when she was drunk um, said um, that basically that friend's mother was alarmed mm. by what her daughter reported to her and she phoned the sheriff's department and was told that there was nothing they could do unless quote something happened oh god so I mean it's kind of mad that there wasn't an intervention sooner considering yeah, it was flagged that, that there nobody was problems, did a welfare check that or, we never knew it was that bad and you'd never have guessed just because gina was so cheerful but dana is a reliable witness here like she is an adult yeah and she didn't come out and um deny gina's story at all that i can see okay um and so um, God love her though She lost her dad Her mum And now her sister Is presumably incarcerated for Yes mm. Fucking hell And then um, So they When they actually Finally did the autopsy On Dorothy It was found That she had been hit With huge force At least 13 times And that the first blow Had come From behind While she was sitting At the kitchen table Right And So it seems like She had tried to ward off Further blows And um, as we said, already dead when the knife was driven into her throat, that um, 
it was driven in with such force um, that oh, it was embedded into the vertebrae. Wow. And they also said that somebody had tried to press Dorothy's hand around the handle mm. of the kitchen knife in a clumsy attempt to try and corroborate what Gina had tried to claim earlier that she had stabbed herself in the neck with the candlestick. Gotcha. No, with the knife, sorry. And um, they said that the candlestick had been wiped clean of prints. So there's all of these things around the murder that feel not very uh, crime of the moment. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit disturbing and open and shut probably and they also felt that like after doing some more investigating they started to think that um, Gina's boyfriend Jack was kind of more what the whole fights had been about rather than necessarily um, the mother's alcoholism okay and so she, she just did not approve of the relationship and Gina was sneaking Jack into her bedroom to stay over a couple of nights a week and like you know, she was 14 and like the mum was like, this is, you know, this is not good. And um, so there was some um, mad incident about a month before the murder when Gina stayed out all night with her boyfriend. And then she tried to like kind of appease her mum when the mum hit the roof with this totally ludicrous kidnap story where she basically was like, no, no, I, I was kidnapped. I wasn't like just staying out all night. And that Gina went so far as to file a complaint with the um, sheriff's department before she later just confessed that she'd made the whole fucking thing up. Mm. So Gina's an unusual fucking character. Um, and so, yeah, the boyfriend was a problem. Um, that's when the boyfriend was fingerprinted and his prints were discovered <gasps> on the handle of the knife he was found there. in the Dorothy's throat. Does that mean he was there? He said that he was always over at Gina's house and his fingerprints were probably on a lot of knives. Because, of course, when you're 14, you're going over to your 14-year-old girlfriend's house, you're probably Just doing some crack work knives. in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. And so the police... And he also said, I remember only a few days ago I was practicing throwing knives into a tree. Okay. So both of them are really good at coming up with like totally batshit casual explanations really, for things. Really weird ones though. It so definitely the police makes sense. were like, like you're not no dice not going to kill your own mother like that, but you'd kill someone else's. They, th exactly. They think that basically that Gina had actually done the murder and that she had called Jack over. So they felt that the candlestick had been the actual murder weapon mm -hmm. and that the knife had been the after death. And um, he had, they also believed, helped her try to clear up the mess. So he was charged with being an accessory. Um, was he also 14? Um, he was, sorry, how old was Jack? I think Jack was 16. Still under 18. They're under kids. They're yeah. kids. So then, right, um, after Jack was charged with being an accessory and like a few months later um, or like about a month later, Gina was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to tell you what happened, guys. I'm going to tell you what happened. So she said that Jack had killed them all. Yeah, of course. And she's under she the bus. She has no goes. scruples. No. Now, no one does when they're 14. True. 
I once told my parents I was going to the cinema to see American Gigolo and instead went drinking on the pier. I was there for that. You were. Mm. I believe you became embroiled in it. I think I my did. mother rang you up and was like, where were you tonight? Um, so anyway, she said he'd come in through the house, back door of the house while she was having a row with the mother. And then the mo- he, she said the mother picked up a knife and that she had held it a few inches from Gina's face. And uh, Gina says, I was just trying to make her drop it. And I was yelling and I saw him run off into the den. And then he came back and I saw his hand raised with the crystal thing, the candlestick. And I saw him hit her in the back of the head and I turned away and I didn't hear mama scream. I didn't hear a whole lot of noises. I heard him hitting her and then I was leaning on the counter and I had my hands pressed up against my head and I was screaming. And oh my God, you know, that was the, the new statement. And um, at the end of the statement, she said that she um, would come forward. She said she had come forward with the new story because she'd been told that otherwise she'd be going to jail. Mm. And they said, so you're telling us Jack did this so you can get out of jail? And she replied, basically. <sighs> and they said, what happens if Jack tells us you did it so he can get out of jail? And she said, you just have to decide who you believe, I guess. Ooh. Unbelievable. And who did they believe? Jack's mom, Sheila, fucking raging Obviously. when she heard about the new statement. And um, she, uh, particularly because Gina had been fucking on the blower tour the whole time being like, Jack's innocent. Jack's innocent. And so then Jack's lawyer told Jack's mom, Sheila, to start recording all the phone calls that uh, Gina was making with her. And the transcripts of these phone calls were, you know, released and are totally fascinating because Gina always seems very composed. She's keen to discover a little bit about what Jack is saying, but she's trying to be subtle. And then sometimes she's like telling Sheila, don't worry, Jack wasn't at the house that night. And then sometimes she says she thinks a third person was involved. And then sometimes she's like, I can't really remember what happened. And like Sheila's constantly like, we just tell the truth. And Gina is like, I have. Oh, it's so annoying. Yes, mad. And um, so there, like, it's, it's, it's fucking weird. So like Jack wrote a letter to Gina after she had fucking tried to throw him under the bus and was like Gina how are you doing fine I hope I'm sorry and I know you're hurting all over but I just want the best for you in the long run times are hard now they will get better if you tell the whole truth of what happened the law will respect you for that and help you out because they know how your mother was I don't know what happened that night and I don't care because I love you all the same this is after she fucking dobbed him in and um, he's like none of my friends will ever have the same trust in me I can never play football again and I'll fail the ninth grade. Oh, he's a kid. But all that I can handle, but I can't handle seeing you in jail for the rest of your life. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. There's nothing I can do except tell you to do the best thing and tell the truth. Uh, Gina, just tell your lawyer what happened and he will straighten it out for you. I'm sorry again and I love you very much. It seems like P.S. right back. I love you forever, Gina. not guilty. So Gina was read that letter by Jack's mother. Okay. On a phone call. And Jack's mother is in tears all Obviously. the way through. And Gina apparently unmoved. Yeah. And then suggested later in the same conversation that it might not that it might be a good idea if Jack 
confessed. Oh, God. And she said, basically, Jack has several options. One is to turn against me and say I did it. And then it turns into a circus. And then we'll just have to see who they believe. Or he can make like a confession or something like that. And they would reduce the charge. And Sheila's like, a confession? And and Gina's like, something along those lines. Like, the casualness of Gina is mad. Mm. Um, And so, basically... Whatever Gina wanted to achieve with accusing Jack, it did not come to pass. They were like, Gina, babes, it was you. Um, and so she gr- agreed to plead. This is in 1991. So like just the about six months afterwards, um, she finally um, agreed to plead no contest to voluntary manslaughter in return for the state dropping the murder charge. So no contest is basically like that you won't argue your innocence. I see. And um, so... Does that leave Jack out of it? Gina and Jack were both sentenced to be detained in a youth correctional facility for an indeterminate period, but not to exceed their 21st birthdays. Interesting. So, because remember Jack's fingerprints were on that knife. Yeah. So there is still some suggestion that he may have helped her in the cleanup. And with that and the letter he wrote her and stuff, like it sounds like he was deeply in love with her. Yeah. And uh, probably Would infatuated. Done whatever. So anyway, nine months after that um, sentencing, surprise, judge agreed that Gina could be transferred to my favorite place in America, Massachusetts. 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 Very hard to say. Special residential school for kids with emotional problems. And crucial to this decision was that Gina's aunt and uncle, um, who lived in Massachusetts, they promised to provide a kind of a a support and home. And so there was a lot of brouhaha. Um, Gina's free. After the... Um, after the kind of sentencings and stuff like that. And obviously the whole mad scenario of like local, you know, hero girl turned into murderer, murderer, also many, many lies to the law and things like that. So she went off with the aunt and uncle and might never have been heard for again, from again. Unless. Until. Um. There was a another murder bit of a no, scandal no, no. in Harvard. She turned it's not that she turned her life around, but she resumed being a very high achiever. She joined a high school and started um tutoring underprivileged youth. Yeah. Okay. She was graduated near top of her class in um, quite a quite a well known school. It was captain she, of was, the tennis team. Can I ask, yeah. was her was her name protected in the way that it would be here because she was a minor? So in it terms should of her back- have been. It should have been, but I think there was like some weird kind of oversight that um she her name was reported. At some stage. So at did, some stage. did people in Massachusetts know who she was? No. Fine. No so when she, she was living as a high school student. Okay. She was brilliant and normal. Yeah. Okay, so Gina is high functioning, being very goody two shoes. Everybody loves her. Her aunt and uncle taking care of her. They must like her. She's ingratiated back in. She's a manipulator of the highest order, clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And no mention of her past. No, well, it shouldn't have been really because she was a juvenile at the time. So, like, legally, the past is theoretically, she went and she did her time. 
and fresh start fresh start go yeah. for it gina so and what about her sister was her sister i'd say the sister was probably a bit wise to gina to be honest mm. do you think so gina then was um off like doing all her good deeds and stuff like that and then she was profiled by a newspaper um the boston globe <laughs> now i don't think gina should have thrown herself in the way of any publicity no um but basically this feature was like a rundown of like exceptional teenagers like cassie and 30 under 30 massachusetts in boston um and so one of the teenagers profiled was one gina grant and picture so and everything here we go the newspaper said gina grant was an orphan so that's the other thing oh within the arrangement with the aunt and uncle mm -hmm. she was supposed to stay living with him them it was like a condition of her reduced sentence mm. and then um or like her more light sentence or whatever and then basically that did not last long and she moved out and it, they believed that the aunt and uncle had become quite disillusioned and i'd say they started getting a taste of what the gina real gina really might be like, like yeah so in the article it explained that Gina was an orphan, that she lived alone in a small flat in Massachusetts and had lived there alone since her 16th birthday, that she was a straight A student at a respected high school. All of the staff spoke glowing of, glowingly of her as bright and caring and loving. Uh, they called her the ivory soap girl. And she had just heard that, that she was accepted to squeaky clean. Maybe Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. And so she told the Globe, Boston Globe, that her father had died of cancer when she was 11 and that her mother had died three years later in circumstances that were, quote, too painful to discuss. Sure. And she had moved to Cambridge to live with her aunt, but it hadn't worked out. So she had been alone since then, looking after herself, managing to make ends meet from a modest family trust fund, a modest family trust fund. And um, she said that she coped best with the loss of her parents by helping others. And she had spent the previous summer teaching biology to underprivileged children, <sighs> as Cass said. And she, she said, I learned early on how to be independent. She cheerily explains life doesn't stop when your parents die. Now, obviously, this was a bad move, Gina. Mm. But also a really interesting move was so she'd gotten accepted to Harvard, right? But a few days before this newspaper article that Gina willingly participated in um, came out, somebody, someone who knew about Gina's background had sent Harvard a package of South Carolina newspaper cuttings all about the the murder. Oh my God. And on Has the to day... Be sister. Or is it the, um, I wonder is it the Jack's aunt? mom or, the or aunt? Sheila? Actually, there's so the, many there's people many. that could have done this. Yeah. yeah. Except Sheila seemed very upstanding. And the thing is, the aunt, like, she wanted to help. Yeah. So what the fuck went down but there? But actually, it could have just been so many different people, really. Um, but it was somebody, I think, close enough in her life that knew about Harvard without it needing to be reported because it was only it was a few days before the article the came article out appeared the so it wasn't arrived. like some mm. person that Gina had gone to high school with and had a grudge had done it because nobody like that would have known probably that she'd been accepted to Harvard anyway the Harvard people were very fucking surprised because in her admission um interview you know like she had said that her mother had been killed in an accident and um, so anyway, Harvard rescinded 
Gina's admission <gasps> the very next day. And um, they just gave reason that was like the general reasons that admissions are sometimes rescinded. And then Gina basically put in a request to meet with the admissions committee. And they were like, no, thanks, no. And um, so it was absolutely mad. But um, so she's they got parole board and everybody was really pissed off to find that she was living out on her own. Oh, she'd breached the terms like, of her parole. Yeah, and it was less than two years since the murder she'd committed. And they really just felt that like, this was one of the most gruesome juvenile crimes ever handled. They just, they really, the state really believed that it was her response to the mother not approving of her relationship that had that had but inspired it, her to commit the crime. Because of the breach of that, the agreement, did that mean she was back in juvie or prison now if she's an adult? No. So after getting ditched from Harvard, she just started to be like, okay, I'm just going to be a bit quieter over here yes. when I'm breaking my agreement detention agreements and she accepted a place at Tufts University in Massachusetts and um so poor old Jack um as we know he was remanded in kind of juvenile detention as well and when he was released on parole he soon got into trouble again with guys that he had met in jail Uh-oh. and he's now in a high security adult prison Serving 10 years for burglary, grand larceny and safe cracking. So that fucked his life. And you have basically. to be like, yeah, would that have ever happened if he hadn't been put into that? I mean, it's so. If he hadn't met Gina. Yeah. And if he hadn't ended up in that juvenile detention center. And it's just mad. Like, that's a mad story. Isn't that it? is mad. Yeah. So Gina's out there now just floating around, probably living an exceptional life. It's, um. Wild. Yeah, it's absolutely, um, it's mad that the Harvard admissions system has this kind of like a very vague sort of uh, allusion to incidents of academic dishonesty. Uh, um, and that's what they got and that's on. what they kind of like lent on, even though it wasn't academic dishonesty. It was dishonesty about her background and the circumstances of her life. Which so is kind of she, that's why strange. I think she wanted to appeal it. And I feel like everyone who's grounds. like, you know, if I know Gina, she'll fight this. But also she might have grounds too. So yeah. if she, her record was expunged. She was she obliged to tell them? No, definitely not. Um, Unless they found a loophole in that one of her. There was some academic I mean, business going on that they weren't. Yeah, they accepted, found some so. kind of um, loophole, all right. But like, what a cell phone by Harvard. Like... Uh, Unbelievable stuff. Yeah. And uh, so where is Gina Grant today? Exactly. It is fascinating. Um, I obviously... I've gone on the hunt and... It seems that she went to Tufts and Tufts have always refused to comment on 
whether she took that place or not. So it's kind of been reported that she went. Okay. But Tufts have never confirmed it. Like Crufts of College. I, it is the Crufts of College, isn't it? Um, and so it seems, though, that when she went there, there was definitely um, a bit of pushback yeah. from her fellow students, which is sort of understandable for their mm, own safety. Mm, very much. I'd love to know what she's at now. I know. Well, she, mm. I'm sure she'll crop up again. Doesn't seem like a person. Well, I don't know. Really? Do you think she's gone? Poof. Yeah, I mean, she might have learned her lesson. And it was. Said, a lo- I'm she going to be... have to do a quiet life. Yeah. What age is she now? She'd actually lost places in Columbia University as well. Like wow. the thing is, so she'd, she'd gotten, gotten in everywhere. Um, and so, well, I mean, it's kind of an, the orphan story is slightly irresistible as well. That's kind of might have been part of her acceptance do you know mm. it's interesting like i wonder if she is like a doctor the way she wanted to be imagine she was um imagine she was the supreme court justice that she wanted to be um it's mad it's very disturbing isn't it <sighs> I've seen, I trawled around a fair bit with, you know, all the usuals, Reddit and things like that. Um, there's some, um, there's some people saying that she is married and lives in a small New England town and is in charge of something like a community center. But like, that's literally person maybe, on Reddit. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So. Amazing story. Thank madness, you, Sophs. Madness. And thank you, dear listener. This, I will lash this out today. So happy Tuesday to each and every one of you. And get your tickets for our tour. Yes. Um, see you shortly. Goodbye. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.